Hello, everyone. Joshua Gilliland here, one of the founding attorneys of the Legal Geeks. With me is Stephen Tolerfield, and we're just going to jump into the first two episodes of Ahsoka, parts one and two, Master and Apprentice and Toiled and Trouble, because, you know, it's just nothing but witchcraft. And uh, Stephen- Night sisters! Yes! I'm so excited. It's oh God, I love Dave Filoni. Like, <laughs> let's just quietly work in fun things from the animated series. Little. so great and so you know all of us nerds who watch the animated series are like you know high-fiving each other yeah and, and those who didn't are like <clears throat> okay like witches in my star wars say what yeah <laughs> so exciting <laughs> let's it's we got the green magic stuff happening so yeah, yeah. It's, it's all there man it's i love there. it so okay just nerd out what did you think? I enjoyed it. Um, I thought the first two episodes were um, the the pacing of them felt a little slow, um, just in terms of the direction and the um, and the conversations. But um, I'm hoping that sort of picks up and becomes a little more um, um, engaging. But I think the story is really fun, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what happened to Ezra and Thrawn. So I'm in. Yeah, I've watched them five times now, and. <laughs> I I'm in love with it. It's just it's Kurosawa Star Wars. I'm like from the opening crawl to uh, the planet with the tomb. I'm blanking on its name. Something with an A. You're like that fight. It looked like Kurosawa shot it. It's like yeah, cool. Yeah, the lightsaber stuff was very exciting. This has the most lightsaber action and live action ever like we've had solid fights each time yeah and i'm we'll find out what happens in episode three but let's jump into the legal issues since time's short we start out with impersonation of jedi and this is kind of a weird one because balin is a former jedi yeah but he's no longer following the true path, even though he has a Padawan that's got the Padawan braid. But, you know, he uses codes to board the uh, Republic transport. And so let's talk about false impersonation. So any person who knowingly and without consent credibly impersonates another actual person through or on an internet website or by other electronic means for purposes of harming, intimidating, threatening, or default, uh, defrauding another person is guilty of a public offense punishable under subdivision D. And this is California Penal Code section 528.5 section A. So the transmission sent. So like that's how we get into an electronic communication takes place saying it's an old Jedi code, which Balin's you know had for 30 years at this point since he either left or went on the run became a mercenary it's like he still has access to the fallen order and he's representing himself to be a jedi in order to board mm -hmm. the republic ship what's your thoughts on this i mean he does say that we're no jedi um, so he knows that they're not Jedi and that he is defrauding the recipients of the message with the code to imply or to, to um, tell them that they are Jedi. So, yeah, I think, I mean, 
On the other hand, I suppose if you're defending Balin, you could say that the Jedi haven't existed in decades. They're, these codes are not anyone's property anymore. They're just out there. And it's kind of the New Republic's assumption that they were Jedi based on the, the use of the codes. But given his sort of intent to defraud and to sneak aboard using the Jedi, when the Jedi codes, when he knows that they're not Jedi, seems like he's violating that statute. Yeah, they should have just opened fire. Yeah. Like, that was... <laughs> Like that would have been a quick story. It's like, wow, that was a close one. Uh, and we wouldn't. Yeah. And, 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 yeah. and given the, the the New Republic's history with transporting prisoners, like in the Mandalorian, when they were, <laughs> they're not super good at it. I think that they need to uh, rethink how they move uh, people from place to place when they're um, the subject of an investigation. And I think they did. Like, they totally upped their game for Elsbeth compared to all the prisoners that were in the Mandalorian episode, The Prisoner. So they had some lessons learned, and they still got their butts kicked. So get open fire. Like, just don't wait for the problem to board. Yeah. And to make things worse. So just a tad of hubris. Which then brings us to Ahsoka finding the map in the Indiana Jones part of this, where she's using uh, her smarts to figure out turning all of the, you know, like the Polaris to look at the uh, sphere in order to get everything to unlock. Yeah, it's like Lara Croft in space. It was great. (laughs) Good, that's good. Uh, (laughs) You know, is the star map abandoned property? And then so playing the facts the night sisters are all but extinct thanks to count dooku so like there's unknown how many are left but not a lot we have this arguably religious tomb yeah has this sphere in it and i thought a lot about guardians of the galaxy with quill in the first you know five minutes of of the uh first movie and the issue of what is abandoned property. An abandoned property is property that the owner voluntarily surrenders or disclaims. A person who finds abandoned property is entitled to keep it. So if they're dead, if there's none of them left, they're extinct. And that fuels the abandoned issue because there's no one to claim ownership of it. Now, there could be a weird wrinkle with like cultural property at play that I think gets squirrely and weird because uh, that might have been thousands of years old but it clearly wasn't active because of events from the Clone Wars Uh, I've seen listen to some podcasters who think that Elspeth placed the sphere there it's like no no, that's been waiting a long time for someone to come get it, uh, like pre-High Republic era uh, tomb with that uh, encased. Do you, do you agree with this abandoned or do you think it falls into a different category? I mean, it just really made me think of the Legal Geeks panel that you did at, at Comic-Con about Indiana Jones and and uh, yes. and people who are sort of looting cultural artifacts from um, from ancient temples and, um, you know, the potential 
um, violations of international and national and federal law um, when it comes to um, cultural artifacts like that. And I mean, that temple was that Ahsoka was in was an extensive complex. It was huge. Um, so it was of some significance, I think, to the Night Sister culture. So it strikes me that um, I'm, I'm, I, I, I get what you're saying about sort of the people who owned it or who would have had title to it no longer exist and kind of have technically abandoned the property, but it makes me think that it, it's more of a, a matter of kind of cultural legacy um, that really ought to be in a museum and not um, just taken by um, by some private person for their own ends. It's so interesting. Yeah, but then you get the assassin droids who arguably are operating on behalf of Morgan Elsbeth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who would have been the one person that had a claim to it and her droids nuke the place. Yeah, those self-destruct mechanisms were very aggressive. <laughs> that, was, that wasn't just a matter of kind of frying circuitry. That was like thermonuclear <laughs> detonation. It, it was like rivaled Oppenheimer. If I can't have it, no one will. Uh, I mean, just very extreme. Yeah. So, yeah, this is this is way out there with... Uh, I think it's a little complicated. I mean, I do get the cultural artifact argument and concern, uh, but then again, it's a working artifact. So it's not going to be yeah. put into a museum. It's going to be used to bring back a war criminal mm-hmm. or wage war against the Republic. Yeah. No. <laughs> like, yeah. It's okay to stop that. So, sure. Yeah. We then uh, get to Sabine and uh, her uh, obedience defiance disorder uh, from not wanting to be at the ceremony, which uh, you have a right against compelled speech. So like no one can force her to give a speech. So she has a First Amendment right to to like leave. Like that's not a problem. Good observation. Yeah. But refusing to stop for law enforcement that's a problem now arguably she doesn't have a traffic violation except for maybe exhibition of speed but then she crosses into her akia akira cosplay (laughs) so great oh yeah okay but it's like total reckless driving yeah even though it's like totally i I did yell canada you know but again (laughs) hard not to totally Hard, hard not to. Just need the red jacket. I mean, so great. Yes, what wonderful. Uh, any, any thoughts on the reckless driving and uh, law, uh, police stop issue? Super straightforward as far as that's concerned. But I was also wondering, since you've, um, you've probably seen it um, more than I have, did it struck me that that they were New Republic pilots, correct? And that she was. They were. Did they refer to her with a rank? Um, commander commander right so i'm wondering if it's more like if if she's their superior officer and they're trying to order her to do something um i'm too bad thomas isn't here to sort of give us the the insight into how that whether they can actually have any authority to tell her to stop doing something that she's lawfully doing i mean she's going really fast of course but those roads are I mean, the roads in Star Wars had, seem to have very little traffic enforcement on them, but yeah. uh, I'd be curious to know it, what what that what that angle was. Yeah, the road to nowhere. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it sort of ends and then goes directly to the communications tower. It's so funny. It's like, was, was this used for like bringing in produce? What's going on here? <laughs> so they, the pilots are acting under the orders of the governor. Right. So like they have a lawful order to bring her in because he's a little miffed of you're supposed to be here. And maybe yeah. she had written orders to be there. Possibly, yeah. I mean, it's like you, we kind of expect you to be there since you're the last one here on planet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like this is also to honor you for right. what what you did. However, the E wings, which I'm not clear if those can fly in space or not. I mm. don't know if they're just atmospheric ships, like like a snow speeder. Like those are good in atmosphere not in orbit mm -hmm. type, type of thing i i don't know but they do look cool and i would love the toy yeah uh i like the fact that all their call signs are based upon specter just like you know rogue was used by the uh you know rebellion because mm -hmm. of rogue one and so the rogue leader and rogue two had to honor those so this is i think specter 21 is the lead pilot but I, I think they're operating under orders to bring her in. So talking to someone who they who might outrank the pilot, I think is okay because the goal is to bring her back. Right. That I mean seems to make sense. But uh, we get into the reckless driving because she does not want to play. She just wants to go sulk. Um because she clearly needs therapy about what happened process yeah and this has been like seven or eight years so because it's the event the last episode of rebels what <coughs> was i think a year or two before battle of yavin uh yes yes except for the epilogue yes you're right yeah right but, yeah so Battle of Lethal, it's been seven or in, so a year or two to get to the Battle of Yavin. And this is like seven or eight years after, oh, actually, no, it wasn't seven or eight years after uh, Endor. Mm -hmm. So, and so it's like time passage from A New Hope to Return of the Jedi is what, three years? Yeah, something like, yeah, pretty short. Okay, so we're talking at least 10 to 12 years, maybe, that she's been grieving. I mean, that it's like someone from 2011 to today. Yeah. You know, like a significant amount of time. So mental health is important. So you don't start making radically bad life decisions. She's, she's doing dangerous stuff. Like sliding a speeder underneath a E-wing. Park E-wing. Yeah, it's just you know, doing her kamikaze run. Just like not smart. <laughs> but, okay, so when uh, Ahsoka shows up and says like, hey, take the map, you know, figure this out, the map, she leaves with it. Is that larceny or is it something else? When Ahsoka takes it from the um, room? When Sabine takes the... Oh, Sabine takes it. From the ship. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, um, I mean, she didn't have a right to that property. And in fact, Ahsoka told her she shouldn't take it. It should stay on the ship. And so she's, um, she's, she's taken it away. And with the intent to at least temporarily deprive um, the true owner, well, <laughs> to the extent that Ahsoka is the true owner of the property of their um, possession. So that would definitely be larceny. Um, and I suppose, and I guess is if larceny is a felony and she knew that, well, she probably didn't know she was going to steal it when she came on board. So it probably wouldn't be a burglary, but um, if, if, um, and assuming the degree of larceny was a felony. Um, it would have to be for burglary, but yeah, it just—it's just not good. It's just yeah. she cannot follow instructions. Like that's—that's that's the problem. She can't play nice with others. Can't play on a team because uh, she misses Ezra too much. And it's like you gotta be a team player. Mm. Like there's only so much of that you can get by. Especially when you start threatening the safety of the galaxy because you can't listen to someone. Mm. All right. So we we have a fight. She gets impaled. She doesn't do a Qui-Gon. And even though I think Qui-Gon was hit more center, so like through the spine, probably got the diaphragm. Hers was more like kidney. Yeah. Um, still not good. Grievous injury for sure. Yeah, rough, rough Tuesday night. However, when she's recovering, we have, uh, you know, David Tennant, you know, now getting with the who now getting more pronounced because he's Doctor Who, uh, about the ownership of of the lightsaber and that she's not the true owner of it. You did a great blog post on this issue. Can you talk us through on whether or not it actually is her lightsaber or not? Yeah, people definitely check out the legalgeeks.com for the full analysis. But um, just briefly, I was curious because Hu Yang says, um, Ezra passed it on to you. You've now made modifications to the lightsaber. So now the lightsaber is yours, which struck me as really weird um, because obviously if I, you know, Josh lended me, if you lended me your car for the weekend and I drove it to a body shop, had it repainted and the hubcaps replaced, I couldn't claim title to the car just because I modified it while it was in my possession. So um, it, it didn't seem like it was necessarily a gift to Sabine because I rewatched that, that finale of Rebels and he hands the lightsaber to Chopper. When he, when he goes to sneak off to surrender to Thrawn. And he actually has kind of a silent interaction with Sabine where he they exchange looks and she gets the idea that he's going to sneak away and she needs to cause a distraction. Um, so if he had intended to give it to her, you would think that he could have done it during that silent exchange. Um, and he didn't. So it's unclear that he had the intent to give the gift, which is the linchpin to establishing a legal transfer of title as a gift. Also, he didn't actually give it to her. And if there's no documentation of the gift, then in California, the statutes require that you actually have actual delivery or symbolic delivery to the recipient in order for it to be valid. So it didn't seem like it was a gift. So it wasn't really hers. And in fact, she says that it's still Ezra's lightsaber. So she doesn't even really think that it was a gift. Um, I also considered whether it was like a bailment where she was loaned or given to it temporarily for like safekeeping or for her benefit while he was gone. Um, that's better for her because in California, the standard when you're given that kind of a temporary ownership for your own benefit, um, you only have to exercise slight care 
for its preservation. It's a very low standard. So she necessar wouldn't necessarily be liable for damages, although as the owner of the lightsaber, when he wants it back, she has to give it to him. And he might be able to demand that um, that he that she change it back to the way to its original condition under the accession statutes in California. Um, so it's an interesting, um, ambiguous um, ownership there of the lightsaber um, that I thought was really fun to think about. Yeah, and well done. I would throw in since it's been over a decade, she has it through adverse possession. You know, of, of a chattel. Interesting. Can you do that with chattels? I always thought it was just real property. Uh, it depends on the state. Okay. Hmm. But some states allow a chattel. I think California is one of them. Hmm. I would need to double check that to be sure because memory's foggy. Hmm. But um, that since she's had the chattel for an excess of a decade, yeah, it's hers now. And I, I suppose at some point it becomes abandoned if he if there's no indication that he's coming back. Although he intended to, he seems to have intended to return. Um, so who knows? That's a good, good point. He wanted to, like he yeah. wasn't, you know, like that message was like, I'm not happy about this, but yeah, this what I got to do because he's like Zeb, you can have the top bunk back, but only for now, <laughs> as he sort of says in that final message to the team. Yes, yes. So, uh, well done, well done. And uh, finally, the, the fight with the Imperials at the shipyard just highlights the need of firing people. Like, right. if, if you worked for the Nazi war machine, you don't get into the new German government during Reconstruction. Yeah. You're fired. You're done. Go be homeless. We don't need you anymore. You're a bad guy. And right. they didn't do that at those shipyards. And that's nuts. Yeah. Because it allows a cancer to eat the Republic from inside out of, you know, the, this BS argument that empires don't turn into republics overnight. Yeah, they can. Yeah. Fire all those people. Bring in repressed people to run the organization. Let them be in charge. Because there were smart people who were in the rebellion. Reward them. Fire the war criminals. Yeah. And it struck me that there might be also kind of an employment law angle there, too. If, if they were if there were employees who were diverting company um, property, whether it's funds or the construction of the hyperdrive for someone else, that could be some sort of embezzlement um, that might uh, sort of a corporate theft situation. Absolutely. Which then opens the door to Rico. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, which which isn't in the news right now. But yeah, this is the... what Rico. I'm not familiar. I haven't heard yeah, that in so long. Crazy talk. What's what's this? Just silly. Uh, oh boy. So yeah, they're bad people. They should not have jobs anymore. This idea. I'm responsible to my board. Yeah, but the corporation's still responsive to the government. That's how you exist, and you still have to follow all of the laws. And trying to overthrow the government is not something you get to do because your board of directors wants it. Yeah. No, this is how you go to prison. So, so that's the abridged version of this because we both have things to do this evening. Uh, like watch a new episode of Ahsoka. Yes. <laughs> that's for sure. It's just, I look forward to friends being able to come over and like we can watch the stuff together live yeah. can't wait 
can't wait to have a shared experience because it's uh oh it's so good that people can really? actually enjoy this and it's not dark out at least in california yeah and uh, the east coasters don't have to be up at 3 a.m so yeah this is fantastic it's it's appointment television with friends and family it's the way it should be yep so with that everyone thanks for tuning in well we have some catch-up to do but you know thank you so if you where we listen please leave a review and wherever you are stay safe stay healthy and stay geeky take care now <laughs>